Welcome to this week's energy show. Have you ever stood under a dirty skylight? When the glass or the plastic is dirty, less light gets through. Solar panels are the same. When they get dirty, less sunlight is converted into electricity. For, for example, if there's a film of dirt that blocks 20% of the light on top of the solar panel, now that solar panel could go from a maximum output of 300 watts down to 240 watts. Or imagine a 100-megawatt solar plant in the desert. When those panels are 10% dirty from blown dust or, or, or debris, now it's only a 90-megawatt plant. Hence the, the compelling need to keep those solar panels clean to maximize the output. And this applies to all segments of the industry, residential, commercial, and utility. Now, I used to be happy that God would wash my customers' panels when it rains hard. And then I did some analysis. And what I found out is it's not always good to wait for the rains. Many situations in which there's a economic need to keep the panels clean. In other words, when the value of the lost energy because of the dirt on the panels is much greater than the cost of cleaning it, then you should clean your panels. And this happens a lot. So cleaning panels is a real business. It's my pleasure to have as a guest today, Jay Welsh, CEO of SolarMade. They specialize in providing operations and maintenance services for solar panels all over the world. I kind of think of Jay as the world's expert in solar panel cleaning. So welcome to the show, Jay. Uh, thank you, Barry. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, great. So why don't you give our listeners a, a little bit of insights into the kinds of cleaning services you provide for each of these market segments, residential, commercial, and utility? Sure. Um, so we're, we're speaking basically about the, the cleaning of the panels. Um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it, it's basically just washing the dirt off. Uh, we do see a lot of instances where uh, people are painting their houses, and the overspray ends up on the panels. That's kind of a whole different process. But uh, there's other factors involved, whether it be trees on the property causing leaves to build up on the panels or uh, something as simple as aesthetics uh, that a lot of people just like the look of the shiny blue panels as opposed to ones that are slightly dusty. For whatever reason, um, you know, cleaning and our process that we use pretty much covers all of those those issues. Now, when you're talking about commercial and utility, uh, again, those are simple cleaning processes. Now, we, we do provide a, a host of other services uh, to all three of those categories. But uh, as far as washing goes, um, it, is, it is what it's about. Uh, it's basically like washing your windows or cleaning the windows on your car. Uh, eventually, you will build up enough residue that you will start to affect your, your power output. Yeah, you know, I, I've got... Uh, we occasionally do cleaning for our residential customers. You know, I've been doing solar here for over 15 years, and especially when it doesn't rain in the, the spring or the fall, the panels get pretty dirty. So we, we offer cleaning services, but it's expensive. I never really did the, the work on commercial projects we did, but when I think back, there's a lot of flat roofs I've installed on, and those things are probably pretty dirty. So just for, for a commercial customer, let's say you've got a, somebody with a, a big commercial roof with a half a megawatt of, of panels on there. How would you go about cleaning those panels? Well, it's really going to come down to what the original engineer design of the system is. Uh, now, as you're most likely aware, and maybe your listeners are not aware, that there's different ways to lay out solar panels. Um, either they're laying at an angle, uh, whatever angle they determine is the best, or some uh, sites actually have the panels laying flat. Um, certainly with the flat panels, uh, you're creating a lot more um, surface area, and there's nowhere for the water to go other than to sit on the panels And when it does rain and then it dries and it, it kind of exemplifies the problem. So it really depends first on how that, that system is laid out. So a typical half a, half a megawatt 
commercial site on, say, a Costco or a Walmart, um, normally those are positioned at an angle. It might be a 5 to 10 degree angle. Um, so depending on what the, the access to that, those panels are, so, unfortunately, some systems that were designed years ago uh, did not account for any maintenance uh, area. Uh, so those are a little more difficult difficult to get to, uh, and we kind of address those on a case-by-case basis. But uh, normally you'll see at least six to eight inches in between the, the rows of solar arrays, uh, which gives us just enough room to get in between the panels and, and scrub them uh, efficiently. Yeah, that, that, that kind of makes sense. And I, I just remember kind of going way back to some of the old power light flat roof systems and, and they, they really did need to get cleaned. And, and if you didn't, you'd almost, you know, you could see some moss or, or, or plants growing on it because the, the debris would just accumulate. Um, and that's why we've always tilted them at least five or 10 degrees. Now, what about, do you, do you do any cleaning for utility scale plants? We do. And, and how does how does that work? I mean, you've got issues of, uh, you know, maybe not enough water or, you know, just huge arrays. What what kind of process do you use there? Um, again, uh, as far as the washing goes, the, the process is, you know, brush and, and rinse with the eye and water. Um, but, again, that that's going to kind of depend on how, how the system was designed and laid out. Um, sometimes we can actually bring in mechanical equipment. Uh, if the rows are far enough apart or spaced enough far enough apart, we can actually get equipment in there. Uh, and use mechanical brushes. Uh, that's a very rare thing, uh, unfortunately, because it, it does save a lot of money. But I, I think uh, the, the development companies now are starting to realize that, that maintenance is a big part of their their revenue stream. So they they are making engineering adjustments before they're putting the panels in. But uh, water is always an issue, especially out in on the west coast in the southeast or southwest. Um, so depending on what it requires, we we can truck in water. Uh, a lot of a lot of the big bigger plants now are starting to dig wells on site for for that purpose, um, which is it saves us a lot of uh, mobilization issues when we set up to do these jobs. Of course, when you're pulling well water out, it's, it's fairly dirty, um, so then you get into a higher cost in deionizing the water. Um, but it, it's usually a wash one way or the other. Uh, no no pun intended there, but <laughs> yeah. but we we just uh, you know. Because this industry is relatively new, I know it's been around for 20 years, but um, the, the industry, in my mind, is still fairly new, uh, especially back here on the East Coast. Maybe we're living in the 20th century, I don't know, but um, coal is still pretty cheap out here, so solar is not a, a big issue or a, a big component of our electricity production out here. It, it's, it's starting to grow now, but certainly nothing that we're seeing out on the, the coastlines and, and down south. Yeah, But that's... Uh, you know, we, we we still see new things every day. I guess is what the point where I'm trying to get at is is that no two systems are alike. Uh, even 20 years into the process, we we haven't seen two systems where we can go and say, okay, this is the the benchmark process and these are the protocols. Um, now we do have a set standard of protocols, but when we get to the job, usually we have to make adjustments on site. Mm-hmm. Now, now, um, do, do you do cleaning on trackers? Because it, it occurs to me, like for a utility scale system, on the trackers, they can kind of tilt those trackers almost vertical, and then maybe you could get vehicles between the rows. Is that something that you've ever considered? Uh, yeah, we, we do that quite often. Um, now, obviously, we go out to a 100-megawatt plant. We don't want to turn the whole system in the direction for cleaning purposes, so we actually work with the site developers um, and get the keys for actually moving the panels on our own 
so if we're washing, say, a section of 3,000 panels, we'll, we'll turn those into position washing position and then set them back onto the tracking system once we're done and then kind of move down the line in that regard. Yeah, you know, that that's an advantage of trackers that I never considered is you've got easier O&M to get access to it, and especially in an area where it doesn't rain that often. I mean, that's that's what we're encountering out here in the, the southwest. How much do these services cost? I mean, let's just talk about a residential homeowner with a, you know, six or seven kilowatt system and then talk about commercial and utility. So on the residential side, we, we have a base service price of $125. Now, our... our Local offices are allowed to run specials, uh, so sometimes they might even be at you know $80 for the basic service call. And that's going to cover you up to about a 5KW system. Um, and there's some variables there. Are we talking a three-story roof as opposed to a one-story? You know, does the customer, or is the customer going to allow us to tap into their host, host dip to use their water, or do we need to bring water in? Roof type plays a little bit of a factor. I mean, obviously, out on the West Coast, mostly terracotta towel. Uh, so we, we've made those adjustments. But uh, back on the East Coast, Massachusetts, uh, New York, New Jersey, you know, we see a lot of three, four-story homes that with, you know, 40-degree pitches on them. Uh, those do make a substantial difference. Uh, you know, safety is our number one concern. Uh, I would say, you know, 60% of our cost goes into just being safe and, and whatever that entails, if that entails tying off or uh, getting some of those higher, uh, bigger story houses where we have to bring a lift in as opposed to having a guy trying to tread on the roof. Um, so I would say to, to answer your question in kind of a roundabout way, you know, $125 is a basic service charge, uh, and then we'll cover you up about a five-free system. Um, and it, it kind of varies from there. Yeah. And then what, and then, uh, how about for commercial and utility scale or, or they're just, you know, obviously there's no flat rates. It's more of an O&M service deal. Correct. There's, you know, it varies depending on, you know, what we're looking at. Um, but I would say as a general rule, uh, commercial stuff typically runs about 50 cents to 80 cents a panel. Okay. All right. So, so one question that, that a lot of people have, and, and, you know, we've always tried to, to steer them away from just hosing off the panels with, with, with the hose, but what kind of chemicals do you use or, or soaps do you use for cleaning these panels? We generally do not use any kind of chemicals. Uh, we, we use the deionized water, uh, which is spot-free when it dries, uh, and then brush the panels. Uh, just Now, there are occasions where we, we do jobs in industrial parks or near airports where there's a lot of soot on the panels that, that kind of dries on there. Uh, we'll use a, a simple green uh, cleaning solution, um, on, on a residential home that seems to have some kind of chemical or agricultural debris or uh, uh, residue on it, we typically use white vinegar and, and mix it with water, huh. uh, which normally picks up a, a good bit of the residue that you see on the residential stuff. Yeah, what what we've been doing, and you know, correct me if it, you know if it's dramatically wrong, but we've just been using a little bit of like dish soap or, or car wash solution just to to act as a surfactant and keep those minerals from redepositing, and that 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 always seems to work out pretty well. Um, is that a problem? Do you think for for homeowners? No, I mean it, it's not going to cause any damage to the panel or or the roof or you know step over the bounds of avoiding a warranty or anything like that. Uh, for us, it's more of an environmental thing because we're, we're cleaning millions of panels a year. Um, and for us to, to, to use that kind of volume, even if it's, 
you know, a half a gallon in one house, you know, by the end of the day, you know, you're using thousands of gallons of soap. Uh, so it's, it's more of an environmental issue for us not to use chemicals. Yeah, that make that makes sense. I'll tell you the 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 scariest situation that we had, you know, not scary, but just you know, b- big mistake is we we had some customers in the Central Valley of California, Fresno area, that they 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 decided to hose their panels down just you know from from tap water, and you know the initial reports back were we hosed our panels down and the output went way up, so we're going to keep them really clean like that. And and when we kind of looked into it, we found out that the reason why the output went up is because the panels suddenly got cooler. And they were they were operating better, and and then and then what happened is that the the minerals in the water, this very hard water, just just uh, solidified out on the surface of the panels, and there was this white film on the surface of the panels that that we could not remove, even with elbow grease and and trisodium phosphate in the scraper. I mean, it just bonded to the glass. Yeah, that's the, what we typically refer to as hazing on the glass, and. And there's several reasons that could happen. It sounds to me in that particular case that when, when you do, you know, if you have a, a homeowner standing on in his yard just shooting water up on the roof, it does cool the panels, but it all, you're also talking about a thermal transfer of, of quite a difference. You know, if it's a hot, sunny day in Southern California, and, and you're, you know, it, those panels, you know, we've seen them as high as 190 degrees in some places. So if, if you're, you know, shooting... 60 or 70 degree water on those, you're taking a, a pretty big risk of having that thermal transfer crack or what we call microfracturing of the glass. Um, and it sometimes it's so dilute or, or so small, subtle, you, you don't notice those those microfractures. And once that water gets into those things, it will start to cloud. And that's more than likely what you're seeing on that particular situation. Yeah, yeah. The, the, basically, those panels were were ruined, um, and we we just couldn't couldn't replace them. I mean, the glass didn't break, but that they were permanently hazed. So, or, or so. Let's just talk about a couple of other details. Um, wh- when you do some of these big system cleanings, are you able to recover any of the wastewater, or is it just all um, you know flow down into the ground? Well, it depends. Some of our customers do have us do water retention programs. Um, we, we actually design and build uh, water retention systems for very specific um, systems, such as carports are a good example. Um, so basically what happens is when we clean or when it rains, that water will actually run into you know, storage barrels or however we have it set up. Uh, and, and we can take that, that, take that recycled water and just filter it back and use it over and over again. Uh, so it is an option. It's, it's somewhat of a costly option, uh, but I, I know in California, as, as the years go on here, the, the, the drought problem seems to increase every year. Uh, so we're, we're trying to get very creative in, in ways of, of using recycled water. Um, we actually implemented last year a 25% reduction water usage across the board uh, just through minor tweaks of our, our protocols, uh, whether it be just to adjust the flow rates, um, and, and we're working on a project right now where we're actually introducing uh, gas uh, into the water stream, uh, which is giving us about a 30% increase in, in, in water volume. Um, so there, there are tricks that, that can be done uh, to, to combat the, the water issues. Uh, but, again, you know, 
then at the end of the day, we're, we're flashing solar panels. So uh, there's really no way around using water at, at some level. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, you know, I, I've seen uh, crazy, I don't know if they're crazy or not, you know, ideas about using drones to wash panels or little robots that would kind of run around and scrub those things. H- how, how practical do you think those concepts are? Uh, the, the robots are becoming very popular. The, the, the limitations, I, I think, are what's stopping their progression uh, at this point. Uh, because unless you really design a solar system around the robot, the robot's going to be pretty limited in what it can do. Um, like uh, a good company to use an example for that is, is SunPower. Uh, now, SunPower actually owns their own robotics company. So they, they're starting to build and design their systems according to the, the capabilities of the robots themselves. Um, I'm pretty fascinated by the technology. Um, they, they are very functional. Uh, the, the quality is, I'd say, you know, maybe 20% less than you know, actually having manpower out there doing it, but it's still sufficient enough. Um, and, and I think those will start to advance a little bit. Um, there, there's some stuff coming out of Japan right now that, that's very unique, uh, and it might start filling some of those gaps on the, on the limitations of the robots. Um, but anything that's been designed and built before last year um, you know, going out and spending a million dollars on a robot is you're kind of throwing money down the drain because you might have one system that that robot would actually work on, um, and you take it to the next building or the next utility plant, and it doesn't work. Uh, you, you, again, you're really limiting yourself. Um, but again, I, I think the, the, the engineers are starting to design concept robots that, that can actually function in different environments, uh, and, and that day is coming. Uh, it's probably five or ten years down the road, but uh, if you go into places like uh, Israel, Africa, um, they specifically design their system to fit the, the robots that they have that will function on those systems. Yeah, well, that's pretty. That's uh, pretty interesting. It's the systems are being designed for maintenance as opposed to you know finding a way to maintain systems that are already put up. So let, uh, another question that that, that uh, people ask is: Are there any electrical hazards with washing the panels? There should not be. Uh, now, that being said, you know, you're, we're, we're talking about high voltage, so there's always a, an opportunity for a problem. Uh, I would suggest any homeowner or any novice that's out there messing around with the solar system, if there is a uh, blown ground wire or something, there will be an arc. And while it won't be a, the typical shock that you would get from sticking your finger in an outlet, you'll still feel a little vibration. Um, if you sense that, uh, it, it's time to call the, your installer or you know a, a certified electrician to, to go out there and take a look at it. Yeah. Um, typically, we haven't come across in almost a decade now that we've been in business. We haven't come across anything as you know obvious as there's a loose wire hanging down and you can see sparks coming out of it. That, that's a pretty rare thing, I would think. Uh, but there, there are uh, grounding arcs are pretty common. Uh, when I say pretty common, I'd say maybe one out of a thousand systems you'll, you'll come across something like that. But uh, it, it is it does have the potential to be very dangerous. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, if you feel that vibration when you're standing near your system, then it's it's time to make that call. Yeah. No, I, I mean we um we we did some analysis uh, of of systems that were installed fifteen you know fifteen or twenty years ago, and what we found is the way that the grounding was done then is is uh, not up to current standards. The copper was up against the aluminum, and, and a lot of those grounding conductors uh, failed. 
So the, the panels were effectively ungrounded. But, you know, that kind of brings up uh, another question is, in addition to washing, what, what other O&M services do you provide? I mean, obviously, when you're there with, with your washing crew, they're looking for bad grounds or wiring. Um, what are those services? Yeah, so on the residential side, what we typically come out and do for the homeowner is, is we will do a complete system inspection. Uh, now, we don't get in... So, so let me back up here a second. When we're talking O&M in our industry, we, we kind of break that into two categories. We have the technical O&M, which is more of the the, the end of the business that, that involves the inverters, the electrical stuff. Um, what we focus on is the janitorial O&M, um, which is the basically all the auxiliary aftermarket services that, that the system would need. Uh, so on the residential side, um, we do just about everything. Uh, panel washing, um, snow removal. We do pest abatement, uh, pest guard installs, uh, which actually is a, a big part of our business right now. Uh, I think that was something that was unseen going into this industry when it started, that you know, the, the, those solar panels make a place for birds to live. Um, so we, we do quite a bit of that, um, and just general service around. I mean, we come across a lot of systems that, uh, were installed poorly, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, we actually do the tightening of the bolts to make sure the panels are on there. Uh, so during that inspection, all that stuff will come up. Uh, so we will actually report back to the, the customer's installer to let them know that, hey, you know, there's potential problems with the system and you should have somebody go take a look at it. Yeah, yeah, um, we, we've... um. <laughs> you mentioned the thing about pigeons, and and we found that it, it's it's not uncommon on on uh, barrel tile roofs to have uh, pigeon infestations. And you know, heck, I, I asked my wife for a good pigeon recipe because there's just so many situations where you know these customers put in a system, and we usually don't price into the beginning, you know, putting guards around. But you know, maybe one out of ten of these people with these barrel tile roofs have pigeon infestations, and then it's you know a lot of work to go there, clean out the the nests underneath, and then put the screens around and. The industry really didn't expect that. You know, you, you hit the nail on the head there. No, it was actually something new to us. Actually, we, we provide services direct for some of the major installers, Solar City, Sunrun, Sungevity, and all the rest of them. Uh, so we're actually servicing their customers on their behalf. Uh, and, and one of them came to us a few years ago and asked us to come up with a solution for the pigeon problem. Um, and that was the beginning of something pretty great for us. Uh, it, it makes up a, a large percentage of our revenues now because uh, we actually designed a proprietary product um, and we got a system basically down. And I'd like to know where you're living where you're only having a problem with one out of ten because what we're seeing out there is about eight out of ten, uh, especially in places like Nevada. The, the, the problem being is if you have a neighborhood with 50 houses and 40 of them have solar on them, the minute we put a guard up on the first house, the pigeons move to the next. And, and we do that quite often. We, we start at one end of the street and just chase the pigeons down the road. Yeah, they're really a, a surprising pain in the neck. So how can people get in touch with your company? They can call us directly. If you want me to give you a number, I can. Yeah, give, put the number out. Uh, our, our corporate headquarters number is 412-403-9540. Now, for your residential customers that, that are looking for a wash or any other service, the easiest thing to do is go on our website, solarmade.com. Uh, and if they're looking for a wash, there's a button on the front page that says request a wash service. A uh, little form will come up with just your basic contact information, and that form will go to the local office. And then the, the, the local office will actually uh, send them the quote directly, and, and they can schedule directly with the local office. 
Uh, as far as the commercial utility stuff goes, uh, the, the number I just gave, they can reach me directly at that number, um, and we can discuss your projects. All right. Well, that's that's terrific. And, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we've got on this week's show, but uh, you know, I certainly learned a lot about uh, maintaining and cleaning solar panels. Thanks, Jay, for joining us on our program today, and thanks, Thank to, all of our, thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. The preceding has been a paid program for Cinnamon Solar.